is hard to find because it is a lost place. And all who dwell here are lost. Do you see us? Then you too are lost. Don't be afraid, for I am here to guide you. I will help you find your way. Now, come with me. I will choose your story. Welcome to Gemini, the STRY Radio Network, where stories live. Tonight's story, The Lift, Episode 1, The Lost Place. A writer's journal, date, unknown. We're all lost here. Even this place is lost. I break Somewhere between then and now. Somewhere between there and here. The voices of our fading tomorrows and unknown yesterdays are little more than whispered echoes here. Most of the time. But sometimes... Sometimes, they become more than that. We're not quite here, me and the others like me, who drift along these halls, strangers passing each other in a shared unreality. I this part dream, part mystic fog, aware of each other only by some strange sixth sense created by our mutual journey through the confusion. It's strange to be so alone and still have so much company. The dark hallways lead at the same time nowhere and everywhere. Each step through this darkness is equally likely to lead to another dark hallway or moldering door as it is to lead to some far-off place half-remembered from some faded dream or forgotten lifetime. I'm increasingly not of the walking around world. When I do step from this place, I carry something back with me that makes it increasingly difficult to feel anchored in that more solid normal reality. I break it. Lately, I'm a stranger to myself. Those around me see it too. The unvoiced words and veiled looks they cast my way seem to convey that while I look similar to the me we knew yesterday, I'm being slowly replaced piece by piece by something new and unknown. I feel it too. My reflection often gazes back at me with eyes that seem deep and dark and confused by the image it sees in the mirror. I never remember my daily journey to this place for some reason, which makes it seem as if I never leave. 
maybe I don't. Perhaps some pale shade of me, some doppelganger, some reverberation of who I was haunts this place. And it's only my own waning concept of myself who walks forth into the world each night. Are these shadows I see out of the corner of my mind, lost layers shed and cast aside as I slowly become someone else? stepping over the rusted, fallen metal post and easily avoid the cracked floor tiles. I barely think about it anymore. Having done this so many times, it's become nearly automatic. I remove my sunglasses and blink a few times in an attempt to adjust the dark interior, then walk around the center of the main lobby where a bell chimes and the old elevator doors begin to open. A pale golden light shines forth from between the doors and reveals the small figure standing inside the cab, as well as the dilapidated state of the room around me. I move forward. As I reach the door, the small figure speaks. Hello, she says. Where do you like to go for a ride? I nod, and she smiles mischievously. What have you brought to trade? She asks. I pause and search my pockets and find a forgotten chocolate caramel and hold it out to her. She cranes her head forward and purses her lips, considering the sparkling golden wrapper, then wrinkles her nose. I'm not in the mood for chocolates today. What else have you got? I reach into my other pocket and pull out a small, soft, sugary candy. Jelly Baby? <laughs> Who? It's a kind of candy. Who I know what it is. I don't want any sweeties. What else have you got? Um... A story? I ask. Her eyes brighten, and she nods and steps aside to let me enter. Normally, we ride in silence in that small chamber that moves between realms of idea and slanted reality as easily as it moves between floors, she being content to play with that object of her obsession, an ancient music box. She runs her fingers along its surface absently, as one might stroke a kitten and it responds by glowing a deep emerald green. As the glow becomes more intense, it seems to flow from her and from the box at the same time. Not for the first time, I wonder at the strange symbiotic relationship between she and that object. But it's more than just an object, I think. It's alive in some strange way I don't quite understand. She looks up at me expectantly. I'm waiting. One story, one ride. Or should I let you off early? On a different story? I turn and look at her wide-eyed, a little startled by the suggestion. <laughs> Just kidding. Now then, my story? I clear my throat and begin. 
long ago in a far-off land. Now forgotten by all but a few, a magician had a great secret that must be kept. But, as is always the way with secrets, the secret yearned to be known. And so it came that a thief and his brother, who was also a thief, learned of the magician and of his secret and where he kept it. And they both agreed they would steal it for themselves. And so it came that on a night when the moon slept on the other side of the world and great dark clouds hung like black velvet in the sky, the brothers came to the magician's keep. I continue on and a strange thing begins to happen. The tale I share with her should take far longer than it takes to ride from the lobby to the ninth floor. In fact, it was my intent to trade parts of it for rides over the next several days, but she has other plans. The elevator never stops ascending, and the intervals between the chimes of the bell as we pass each floor seem unaltered. But I notice my mouth has become dry and my voice hoarse as we pass the eighth floor. Time, it seems has twisted in upon itself. I speak the final words as we come to a stop on the ninth story. And so, the magician decided to hide the secret where no one would look, folding it into the tales men tell, so hidden only those who are truly ready ever see the secret. She smiles impishly and giggles as the doors open, delighted by her ability to get the entire tale from me in one piece. Some days, she follows me into the hallway, and otherworldly music and the pitter-patter of her echoing footsteps trails behind me. Today is one of those days. And, as always, the music is hauntingly familiar, seeming to lie just behind a thin veil that separates it from me and a memory. I continue walking, moving toward the room at the end of the hall that draws me forward. Were I to fight its pull, the momentum it exerts upon me, I wonder if my footsteps might falter and I'd find myself stumbling over my own feet. I don't fight it though, because it's become finally more than a pull. Forced to name it, I would call it purpose. I pass through the door and into the room, but she waits at the threshold, tentatively, her eyes inquisitive and calm, but ever tinged with a certain amusement that hints at secret knowledge. When she looks at me like this, it gives me the slightly unsettling sensation of being evaluated. Her scrutiny is not mocking or unkind, but makes me feel as if she finds my progress slow and my mind slower. She doesn't speak, just waits to be invited in. I nod my acquiescence and she comes to the room, wandering about as I begin my work. 
When I glance up, she has stopped at the room's only window. It looks out onto a street that, for the moment at least, is bright and sunny. That particular window can make me tremble. For there are times when it looks out on the scenes far in the city's past or deep in its future. And times, times when it changes between blinks, from day to night, from summer to winter, or in those times I dread to that other place. The other place, as horrible as it is, When the window presents that vista, I find it nearly impossible to look away, to break the spell it has on human eyes. The great void of nothing is the most terrifying thing I've ever seen, and if I never see it again, I'll call myself lucky. Nothing is exactly that, no color at all, no bright white of possibility, nor inky black of finality just the blank emptiness of null. She turns from the window and regards me, aware of my thoughts, as always, and smiles. When I return her smile, she comes to my side and watches as I pull words from mind and line them up along pale blue lines. She watches with some fascination as these ideas travel down my arm, slip through the object in my fingers, to become dark swirls, loops, and lines. There they will lay silently, waiting for their chance to jump forth and enter the mind of another. I try to make them good ones and true ones, even as I cloak them in the lies which will allow them, so disguised, to slip into the deepest part of the mind. Some will fight their way in with much fanfare, capturing attention. Others, more insidious, silent will slip by with grace and guile and remain hidden as they do the long work that changes and transforms the soul. Her fascination with this simple act of creation baffles me, that one so easily able to slip between realities and become at times solid and other times little more than a phantom can be held in awe by a simple tale written by a poor storyteller confuses me. She tilts her head and frowns at this. I know she expects me to be more accepting and confident in the talents granted me, but I struggle still to believe myself worthy to call myself writer. For me, that word holds a special mystery and magic that rises far beyond where I sit. She shakes her head in light disapproval. Then her eyes look to some place and somewhere distant and unseen. For an instant, I pick up a barely audible snatch of music, of music and the lilting voice of a singer of great talent, but it fades quickly. She turns, her eyes wide with surprise at my ability to hear the song, then narrows her eyes and studies me closer than ever before. Just as that stare begins to make me feel nervous, she sends me a smile, fades, and is gone. Amazingly, I've become used to this type of behavior now. At times, she fades like smoke, 
called to some other place. Other times she scampers from the room as would any other child. But as much as she looks and acts like a young girl, I feel the impish, mischievous spirit with the childlike sense of play and innocence is only one aspect of her, only one of her appearances. For I've seen her stand in darkness, haloed by her own otherworldly glow, a spectral green light that burns from within and transforms her into something else. Though I've come to feel a special bond with the girl, a kind of parental protection toward her, when the child drops away and she becomes her other self, I have to admit, I fear her. It's in that form when she casts off the echoed spirit of the child who fell to her fate over a hundred years ago. She seems truly herself and who she was meant to be. It makes me wonder if she actually died that day or if she was chosen by some higher purpose to fulfill a grander destiny. I set my pen down and look up, for I know she stands before me. I look up and gasp, for the child is gone and she stands waiting in her other form, an avatar for some force I have yet to name. As I've said, I've seen her take this form before, but never with me. It's unsettling and I find fear rising from within. When she speaks, it's her voice, but under and behind it is another. Don't be afraid, for I am here to guide you. It's time to put aside your distractions and don the mantle you were meant to wear. You've grown and become more than you were when you were called here. The time has come for your choice. I sit dumbly, confused by her statement, but at the same time, feeling it resonate with me on a deep level. Choices must be made at the proper time, and your moment is upon you. I sit, confused, frightened, and unsure of my readiness to bear whatever burden lies in wait. Come. It's It's time time to choose. Choose well or choose choose poorly. poorly. Either Either will require great great sacrifice. She shifts her music box to her side, cradling it, and offers me her hand. I hesitate as I consider what taking it might mean. But in the end, I sigh and slip my hand into hers, and the room fades Fades away. away. We stand in a vast darkness lit by unknown things that flitter about more rapidly than the eyes can follow. The air is redolent with flowers and fruit, deep with earth and must. I know I stand somewhere ancient and holy. I stand with the little one by my side, again the child, seeming more solid and alive in this place than ever before. I feel dizzy and confused and find myself wondering what comes next when the figure appears before us. 
So, you've come at last. Now, is the time of the choice, so the final work can begin.